and welcome to today's roundtable. I have some magnificent guests here today. I was very excited. I even dressed up for this one. And we're going to be talking about the art of writing Reiki books. So many of us have this idea or this desire to write a Reiki book. And then when we go to the keyboard and the white page on the screen, it's not that easy. But these three people did an amazing job. And some of them have done it many, many times, right? So I'm going to let them introduce themselves. And we'll start with you, Franz. Oh, good. I'm Franz uh, Stina from the International House of Reiki. I co-wrote uh, the Reiki source book, the Japanese art of Reiki, your Reiki treatment, the A to Z of Reiki. And then I wrote uh, the Japanese, uh, the inner heart of Reiki, too many books to remember, the inner heart of Reiki. Reiki Insight, and my new book, what comes out hopefully next month, end of next month, and it is uh, The Way of Reiki, The Inner Teachings of Mikasui. Awesome. Thank you so much. Nicholas. Hi there, everyone. My name is Nicholas. I'm the author of Foundations of Reiki Ryoho, a manual of Shodan and Okuden. I've also written five books on gemstone therapy and a book on flower essence therapy. And I have to say, I admire your discipline because you crank quality books like quite consistently, which is not something I'm good at. So <laughs> we'll be talking about that. Elise, tell Hi, us. About thank you. you for having having us. I'm the author of one book, and the difference is I'm a co-author. And so the book Reiki: A Self Practice to Live in Peace with Self and Others was co-written with my colleague, Nancy, who couldn't be here today to join us. So I'm just beginning. Perfect. And, and that is what I think is fantastic about like the three people here today. All of you have like really different styles, really different books. Uh, the message is very different and yet all of them are quality books, right? So some of you like Nicholas have already dozens of books out there. France too, at least you're starting. In my case, I have two Reiki books, one children's book, third in the way and struggling, right? So we all are in different steps. So I wanted to talk a little bit. So for people who haven't heard a lot of publishing, they're like, usually there are two kinds of people, the plotters and something they call the discovery writers, other people call them the prancers, which means some people, they have, uh, they plan their books and then they write there and other people just sit and write. So I wanted to start, I don't know who wants to start a little bit with what's their writing style a little bit. I sit and write. <laughs> there is there is no plotting. <laughs> I you know it's uh, I'm not so good with plotting. Uh, so for me is um, I think also if I look at my books, we wrote uh, for example co-wrote the Reiki source book. What was kind of the first. Reiki book of its kind in that way, where it really looked at a lot of the different structures within the system of Reiki. A lot of people uh, after that actually have kind of copied it uh, in lots of different ways, what is quite great in a way. Uh, but that was very much a structured book, but uh, I co-wrote that. But the books, what I've written myself, uh, The Inner Heart of Reiki, Reiki Inside, and my new book, um, The Way of Reiki, The Inner Teachings of Mikasui, that is really uh, more, I just sit down and it just flows. And because they're quite different books, if I look at it, and they really come from 
my own direct experience. And for me, that should not be plotted in a way. That is a good point. Any one of yours are plotters or non-plotters like Franz? I'll add on. Um, first, I would say that the co-authoring, as you know from some of your books, Franz, it's a whole magical unfolding of its own. So I would have to say it just happens and it's just like two consciousnesses and two hearts and two guts, right? But each of those are connected to all the people that each of us knew and all the experiences each of us had. So we would get together in one room in person. And but there were a lot of people there. And if you know what I mean, and a lot of experiences there. And I think that that made for more what Franz was talking about, just it flowed out. And only afterward, I think there was a structure. Like we were able to put a structure on it afterward. We certainly knew we wanted to cover certain topics. And that's about it for the structure ahead of time. Did, did I address that okay? Yeah, no, and, and reading your book, what I love about it is like, again, every one of your books are very different, right? It's They're all about Reiki. In your case, you know, it's really how to use the precepts and Reiki practice for different demographics and different people. So it's very practical. So I can see how that will make sense because you start, you need to have an idea of what you're going to cover. But then, yeah, it changes, which is a little bit my approach. When I write a book, I'm like, Oh, it's going to be a book. Basically, it's because of the drawings, right? I need to plan because the drawings, but then the drawings take a life of their own. The interviews also go where they want. So for me, like unlike France, I do need a structure and I see at least you time to start from. And there I, I I flow, like it's not completely firm. Although sometimes I'm like, that's not what I plan. <laughs> Nicholas, how are you? Because again, you have a consistent output so is that really flowing or there is a little bit more of planning into that oh there's lots of planning that goes into all of my books i am not very effective at writing if i don't have a clear outline and the outline often takes a life of its own so like the initial stages might resemble that of a discovery writer i just put all of the ideas i've got on paper and they can be unconnected and disparate and you know just full of these kind of imaginative things but then i sit with that i i treat each book like it's kind of an entity of its own and it's like i i sit with the spirit the consciousness the spark within that book and let it reveal the inner structure from within and then sometimes i have to translate that in ways that are um maybe more structured than the imagination would prefer only because i have to have something i can go off of to deliver it to other people in a clear and concise way um, my brain switches from very linear thought to very non-linear thought um, in my kind of creative processes but um, non-linear books don't don't make for clear and concise submissions to publishers so there's got to be that inner structure yeah, and I think that is a point too, like I'm self-published, so my process, even though ironically similar, more similar to yours, uh, like I have the freedom to do what I want, I don't have a deadline. The only time I was published by editorial, they gave me the structure and I had like a six-week deadline and that was like, <laughs> right? So, but I think that is the important thing is the first step to writing a book is discovering what kind of writer you are. Do you need to be in the flow, like Franz did his last book, like in a week, or do you need uh, like probably Nicholas and I are like more like 
we come up with these ideas and then we structure them, or at least we actually, again, doing the process with someone else, right? And co-authoring I did too is an art as well, because unless you have very good chemistry, it can end up being a little bit of a torture, right? Of really. course. And I, I just wanted to um, add and take off from, Nicholas talked about that translation piece. That really spoke to me, because we can get up here, especially um, our book, which is for everybody and anybody, not necessarily people who are familiar with Reiki practice and teachings. And so that translating part is was really important to us too. And thus a, more like a lot of analogies and metaphors in, in the book. So, well, this is like this, <laughs> and this is like that. So I, I just wanted to underline that. And I think that's important because at the end, the first thing you need for your Reiki book, obviously, is a point of view, but also who are you talking to, right? So, yeah. friends, if I'm not wrong, you're probably talking to people who are into the practice. At least you are not. Nicholas, from what I read about you, at least people who are really interested in the practice, right? So did you know that at the beginning, when you wrote your book, did you have a clear idea who you were talking to, or that also was flow? We knew. Yeah. <laughs> Ours was easy. <laughs> I think for me is uh, I, I actually know people who've contacted me who've never knew about anything about Reiki and read uh, the Inner Heart of Reiki or Reiki Inside, loved it, felt something within themselves while reading it, and uh, through that actually wanted to do Reiki. So for me, that is also is uh, not always necessarily that. It is for people who practice the system of Reiki, but it can also be a trigger. I think we pick up certain books. Um, for example, I like uh, certain Buddhist books. And in some of these books in the beginning, they say, well, you pick this book up because there is already maybe a karmic link that you pick it up. And sometimes I think as people, we pick up uh, Maybe we don't know anything about Reiki, but we like to cover or we it's something what calls when we hold the book or when we flip it open, we flip it open in the right moment and something jumps out and we feel that within ourselves and then we might buy the book and then we rediscover actually hey, this uh, sounds interesting, maybe I should check out this Reiki thing. And that can also be a wonderful trigger. So I don't really see it in my writing. This is for existing Reiki people or new people, or I think really it's wide open. And I think when we keep it more wide open, then also that uh, manifests in a way in our writing style. That is interesting. Yeah, I basically because I lately I'm working on interviews, probably is more Reiki practitioners, but a lot of people have seen the interviews too, and they're not Reiki, right? So yeah, absolutely. Works out well, Nicholas, what about you? Did you have a clear person in mind or was it also very open? Yeah, I mean, there were several, I'd say, demographics that fall under the umbrella that the, the book was kind of written two, maybe not four, but two, definitely extant practitioners, people already with experience, because um, the way I approached the research was very interlineage, finding common threads, tracing things back to the heart and core of the practice, so that way we could have enrichment no matter what our experience or awareness looked like within the system of Reiki. And then, quite selfishly, I wrote it to be my classroom manual for first and second degree, so 
Um, you know, I, I definitely had my own students, current, past, and, and future in mind uh, when I wrote the book. That, that again, another similarity, that's my drawings and book also. It started as a manual, and it's like, oh, this could be a book, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I've, I've been interviewing a lot of people lately and a lot of them is like I have a book in me and I'll write it one day right and I hear that a lot and then I love I interviewed uh, two ladies Amanda Jane and Silke Kleeman last week and they said listen there are so many Reiki books unless you have something really important to say like rethink it right so how did you what make you think okay, this book is really worth it, this goes, what made you go from that desire many people have from writing to like actually producing this book in reality? Actually, I see it really different. <laughs> what is really, uh, I, I don't write the book for anybody. I actually, I write a book for myself. <clears throat> and, and this is, um, I did the same with uh, the inner heart of Reiki, Reiki Inside, and my latest book, uh, because for me is uh, due to my own practice, I want to get it very clear in my own head. So for me, actually, when we have this direct experience through the practice, so since 2012, been training with a Japanese priest in Japan. And through that, I gained a really very interesting insight in Mikasui's teachings and the tools he used. And so when we not just only intellectually use that, but really sit on our butt and do our med daily meditation practices, or when I went to Japan, you do like a week and a half, probably about the last week and a half was about 20 hours a day. You sleep for four hours, well, maybe three, then they wake you up. And uh, through doing that, for me, all these things come to the surface and to uh, kind of put it in a really good perspective, I need to write it out. It's like uh, cleaning my cupboard and put it in really nice a compartment of the socks and this and that. So it's very clear. If you see my house, it's a little bit OCD. Uh, so, so Actually, so, if you're on the dry friends, not in a class, just move the chairs around. <laughs> something like that. So, so I don't really go and sit down and go like, oh, I'm going to write this for this. I'm really, I feel I'm overflowing with these things what I need to put on paper so that I get a clear understanding. And when I've done that and I go like, oh, here's a book, send it to the publisher and they say, oh, this is wonderful. Thank you very much. And that's about it. So it's a very different um, way. I think if I hear the other or the three of you, how we write, it's, it's very interesting to see these differences, isn't it? It is, and it's. I hear a lot about because I self-publish, and I want to stick to self-publishing because of my freedom. Mm. Uh, after the experience I had with editorial, it's it's incredible how we all have different uh, ways, and not it's like Ricky. There is no better or worse. It's just the way the brain works, and I find it fascinating. But there is, I think, something that threshold of wanting to write a book to write in it for me. Like I even done like opposite the way I write than you, friends is that need, that personal drive. Like if I don't do it, I 
like I'm not alive. Like it's it's a desire that is beyond me, right? Is and it might be more structured. And again, it's gonna take me three years to do this last book with all the interviews, but it's stronger than I am. I cannot stop myself from writing them. And I don't know how that is with you, Nicolas and Elise. And I love because Franz and I are exactly opposite in approach to writing, right? Yeah, um, I don't see it as all that opposite because I'm sorry, Nicholas, did you want to go? Oh no, please go ahead. You know, um, from what Franz says, you know, writing clarifies. And one of the things it clarifies is what Natalie said, it clarifies what really matters. And you want to write what really matters. And really what matters to you or me is going to change <laughs> as we develop and grow, right? Absolutely. And we, yeah. Uh, so I don't see it as that different. I mean, process is change yeah. and dynamism. And like, that's why I have trouble like answering the questions like specifically, except I'm a co-author, that's easy, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> that was easy. Other than that, I think it's, um, it's so emergent. It just is not like emergency, but it's emergent from, especially with Nancy and I, two different, two beings who, as we discovered, have all these strange parallel connections in ancestry, language, heritage, food, ways, customs. It was weird because we didn't even know each other that well. So things emerge in these ways that are a little mysterious, but nonetheless, writing clarifies. And I think it's about we write what matters, and then what matters changes for us over time. I, I'm not gonna add that because I think that is beautiful. Nicole, well, I mean, I got it from you too. <laughs> yeah, but you put in beautiful words, right? Like write what matters and use it for yourself to clarify your practice. I think sometimes mm -hmm. we think we're gonna write a book that is more like a manual, we're uploading on Amazon and then boom, we're gonna have students and all of that, right? So it's really more of a personal process when it comes to writing about Reiki. Yeah, I would underscore all of that too. Um, although I might have had objectives I wanted to, um, you know, at least circle around in the writing process. I only write something if I feel that fire within. I, I don't write with a sales target in mind. I don't write because there is necessarily a niche in the market I'm trying to fulfill. I write because it fuels me inside and out. It fills my heart. I write because there's that um, ardent fervor some days and other days it's the challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and we need those challenges. And it's always about personal development first and foremost. I would never write about anything that wasn't near and dear to my personal practice. And so much of the insights across my my many volumes on, on different unrelated topics uh, really comes from the synthesis of intellect and spirit because that's that's where I get the most excited. So yes, there's research, but there's always that synthesis. How does my personal practice um, become shaped and also shape the scope of the work that I'm doing? Yeah, I really feel the vitality and aliveness behind that, you know, and behind what everyone has said so far. Do you feel that? That that has to be a big key, K-E-Y, to all of this. 
I think so. I think uh, for me personally, I like uh, to read uh, like uh, books by old Zen masters or Buddhist masters. And when I read them, it's like you, you read it, but between the lines, there is healing, blessing, empowerment taking place. And uh, I think for me, those books, I wish I can write like this. Some people say I am, I'm not sure, who knows, but I don't make that judgment. But when I, when I read some of these books, like Sunreya Suzuki or some other books, and it's just, you see the simplicity and the depth is so clear. It's so from their own direct spiritual experience. And, and those for me are really my great big examples. Um, I don't like them to make it too intellectually because then I don't get it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I try to keep uh, keep it simple, uh, but yeah. So it's wonderful to to see, and I think also you know some people like Italian food, some people like Dutch food or French food, and ultimately it's all there to satisfy our need for food to eat something, and it's the same with all these different books out there. I love that. But it's funny, at the end, every interview I do from different things, the business side of Reiki, the art of writing Reiki, it comes from practice. Absolutely. So I think probably the first tip to write a very good Reiki book is practice every day, right? And maybe read a few books here and there, but develop your own voice. And, and I know probably we develop our own voice for practice, but if you had to give one tip, beyond obviously sit on your butt and practice to someone to start trusting their own voice, what would that tip be? And that's a hard one. Like, <laughs> um, I, I'd like to try something here. It's not really something I'm actually going to talk. Um, <laughs> it's kind of fourth precept in some way, and that's um, we have to know a little bit about who we are at any given moment because it's going to change but so I don't know if this is a largely um you know kind of white cisgender female thing but I meet women my age who don't know who they are because they are who that person told them to be and who they had to please here and who they had to please there. And spending your life worried about what other people think and pleasing them, that's suffering, that's misery, that's really distressing. And what people like in the, um, you know, I do teach public health, so I can't help myself, but in that Harvard study of adult development, 80-year-olders were asked what, the, what their biggest regret was in their lives. And they said, worrying about what other people think. And then when they were asked, what was what you wanted more of during your life? And they said, serving others. Or, you know, being of service to others. That could be just your family or your colleagues or your community or the world. And so I think that in order to really know ourselves kind of like this vertical thing that is the most important because without that we can't go what i call horizontal i'm probably not the any invented these words just regular words right and then we can offer out this 
steady self that knows itself. So I think that did that answer your question, or am I just bringing a spin to it? That's no, not it didn't. There? Because this is a Ricky podcast, so we're not a writer's podcast. So it's always going to be link about that. And it's funny what you remember. And so I take martial arts, and my sensei, she's way wiser than most people I know, right? And and obviously most martial arts are about fighting, but she says women occupy too little space, men occupy sometimes too much space, and this is in America. He said, and it's about occupying your right space, right? Because sometimes when these men are expanded, they are not stable either. So it's not a criticize, it's just she wants everybody to occupy the right space and have the right expression of martial arts. And your answer to writing is that, like, occupy the right space, don't worry about the others, right? So that's why I love what you said is, again, we go back to practice, knowing ourselves, exploring the self and writing as an exploration versus an art of showing off, right, in a way. If now I don't Thank you. around. <laughs> that was helpful. And I feel understood and yeah, added a lot of meaning to and it. Thanks, Natalie. Well, I'm gonna add also when I do research, honestly, and 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 this is more to encourage women, like men have more books out there than women. And these last two years, women have come up with more books. So this is also a podcast encourage, like, hey. This is not anyone's fault on any gender. It's us having to take our space, right? This is not a gender war. It's like, there are a lot of women, like you have amazing practices where more something's about community, like find your voice and express it. This is more encouraging. This is not stopping men from publishing. Please keep on publishing all the books or whatever gender you identify. But don't, sometimes we still, societal pressure makes us hesitate a little bit about going to Japan by yourself or writing books. And the more people like you, Elise, or Amanda, or Silke, we bring those books out. And, and we're going to go into what is a professional book versus also books that sometimes, you know, may not add to the practice a lot. I think it will be like my sensei says, it's about everybody occupying the right space, right? It's not about staying in your tiny space and like, look at them, they're doing things. We can all write beautiful books, right? And very different books because our experience of Reiki I know through nature, we don't have any gender, anything, but through society, our experiences Reiki is different. So we all need to contribute. And hopefully we'll also have trans people writing Reiki books and people from every identification and every race, right? Again, probably probably Asian and Caucasian books are more out there than African-American or black people. So hopefully we'll have, or Latino books, we'll have also more books like that. So if you're hearing this, please write a book. <laughs> But then again, I think, you know, like I, I would like to say, uh, make a great meal, be a Michelin star chef, but maybe that yeah. is not my calling. Yeah, yeah. So we also have to find through our practice, is, is it our calling to write? You know, Absolutely. it's the same. We might, uh, I might make uh, really lovely cakes, but it doesn't mean I can have a cake shop, right? We have to also be very honest about it. My cakes might not be cake shop enough or maybe I'm just a good baker but not really someone who is very good at sales and setting up a shop because there's more to being a baker so it's the same to a writer I think we have to find as you said we have to find our calling what is our calling and we can really do this more and more and more when we particularly within the system of Reiki, but I think in general in, the, in uh, the, uh, our life is to do certain practices, doesn't matter if it's uh, Tai Chi or yoga or Qigong or the system of Reiki, 
by going within and finding this clarity within to see, ah, this is, this is really me, as you were saying, Elisa, as well, we, because we don't know who we are. And then when the more we start to know who we are, then we can find our, as in Japanese, gyo, our gyo, our pure experience, who we are, and that then might be expressed in drawing or dancing or writing or all sorts of different ways. But I think is uh, first of all, we have to really find that because if, if I say, okay, I want to be a writer and I'm struggling and I'm struggling and then nothing happens on my laptop or my piece of paper, then I get annoyed, I get angry, I get upset. Then I say, I'm not good enough. I can't do this, poor me then we actually further away from home. And therefore the first point of call for me really is that self-empowerment, get a really good clarity. Maybe you wanna express it through music. Maybe you wanna, it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, I think that is a, a really important element of being a writer or a painter or a musician. Find that juice within you and then find the juice how you expresses it. Oh, absolutely, because I think sometimes we carry things that we never did as unfinished things, and we actually were never meant to do them, or actually they don't matter, but we have this idea and we carry it for years, right? Yeah, absolutely. Nicholas, how did you know you wanted to write? What was the first time that sparked? How, like, how did you go from what Francis like, am I meant to express this through writing? Because also we thought before you studied uh, something completely different, right? Yeah. I have wanted to be a writer for uh, at least 50% of my life now. So I'm, I'm 36. I started writing my first book, which never got published. And then I started writing several other books that never got finished or published um, when I was 18. Wow. So um, it was just the spark that I had. And, you know, admittedly in the beginning, I didn't have life experience. I, I was nobody's authority on anything except that I knew a lot about rocks. And that's not enough to be a clear voice that's going to be contributing anything meaningful. So definitely find yourself, find your voice. Um, but like uh, for like the practical side of how do you know you want to be a writer? Or how do you execute this? Immerse yourself in your practice. Read lots. It doesn't have to be just about your topic, but part of how we grow as people who communicate through the written word is by experiencing the written word in all of its many media. And then, you know, to kind of underscore that fourth precept again, like do your work with diligence, show up with your whole heart and the work that you're doing, do it consistently and do it from that space of non-attachment. So when I'm in active writing mode, I have daily word targets, which are flexible. And they're definitely tangible and achievable. They're not like out of this world. So some days, you know, I'm a human, I struggle and that's fine. But then other days I write four or five times what that minimum word target was and it, it all evens out in the end. Um, and be compassionate with yourself during the writing process. What good are we showing up writing books about Reiki, writing books about a, a compassionate art if we cannot also practice that within? So if you're staring at the blank page and you're struggling, just shift gears. The moment I stop enjoying what I'm doing, I stop writing. So that might mean that I write for 15 minutes. That might mean that I write for four hours and have something else you can do to shift gears. Just from the practical side, I, I play the French horn. I don't profess to play it very well, but I've played it most of my life. And um, I always have an instrument set up nearby. And when I, when I get the 
um, creative fatigue or the burnout or just frustration, or I just lose the spark, I go pick up my instrument, or maybe I go into the garden or I pour myself a fresh cup of tea and I sit in whatever that new activity it is. And it's like a little reset button. So that way I can come back with the, the beginner's mind, the Zen mind and be clear for whatever message needs to pour through me. Um, can I put a word in about the antidote when you're co-writing with somebody? It's the other person. So when I'm losing, let's say, my will and courage, the other, Nancy may have her will and courage. So then mm. it becomes, you know, like a we space, W-E-M, like uplifting each other. And so we, <laughs> it's like instead of being alone and taking that break that's so important um, that Nicholas talked about. She's right there. And we never worked alone, actually. We thought alone and jotted things down. But we would get together then for a fairly marathon session, given our, you know, differing availabilities, you know. And it was like immersion. And then you know, like playing off of each other to keep that upliftment. And it would shift. And it was like I say, kind of mystical or magical. No one can, I don't know how to talk about it. It's kind of stunning, really. You're like, look at what's just happening. Sometimes we would spend 15 minutes choosing the right word, but it's a lot more fun to do that with somebody else than by yourself. That's my last, that's what I would say. <laughs> It's, it's funny. It's, I, I've been writing for money because that's my work on the side since I'm probably 19. So I, I, I'm opting for this, like Nicholas, I have half an hour a day of writing. But the difference is like for me, writing is also work during the day a lot. So there is a moment where even if I don't enjoy, I can push through it and then go to a place of enjoyment. But I think for people who are just starting who perhaps don't have as much practice or cannot go into flow, that discipline every day, 15 to 20 minutes helps. And also then if you don't have that, perhaps as you did at least work with someone that really can push you or have an accountability partner, right? Someone that will text you every so often, you're like, okay, how are you doing? Because working without deadlines, sometimes is a little bit harder unless you're someone who spits a book in a week, but that's, you <laughs> <laughs> And for me, there is no better and worse because it's like we have very different personalities. And also what I'm finding out, there are different books, right? So I spit my first book. It took a year and a half. The second took six weeks. This one is going to take two to three years. So also like understand different books may have different processes and that is also okay. I think, again, what I'm taking from this is all of us is really the Ricky precepts. You know, I love that you say, do not get angry with yourself. Check in. Are you really meant to be a writer or are you meant to be drawing or singing, yeah. right? But do not get angry. That day you didn't write, be compassionate. So I think at the end, we cannot see writing a Ricky book as writing a novel. Like it's, it's a spiritual exploration and practice. And that's what I love. So I want to shift gears a little bit because at the end, when we do produce that book, we want it to be out in a way that feels professional, clean, taking care of, not full of typos, you know, and it makes my first children's book has 
a couple of typos and like we want an award and then they almost took it away, right? Like, so it does matter. And that's where the compassion should not go into sloppiness, no? So what are some of your tips to make sure that book looks professional, that is well-researched, fact-checking? Uh, what are some points that people should like for sure check the boxes? I think, uh, Natalie, it was interesting because today I was teaching a Reiki uh, one class and I had two ladies from France here in Holland, from Paris, and they both uh, were kind of not in a publishing world, but in that kind of industry. And uh, they were talking about how the one reads a lot of books for uh, checking and those kind of things. And, and so we were talking about that sometimes, say in one chapter, the person says this, and then five chapters later, they actually say something quite different, what doesn't, what's not in line with what was said in previous chapters. So for example, within the system of Reiki, maybe we say, um, Use the precepts, and we have a whole chapter on do not anger, and then we have a whole chapter on do not worry. And then a few chapters later, we say, Oh, we have to protect ourselves because blah blah blah. Then for me, then I said, Hang on, but the previous chapter you wrote, do not worry, and now you're writing about protection, and protection is done out of worry. So then there is uh, no clarity. So then the book might be a little bit going from this way to that way to that way. So we have to be, I think, very careful if we want to write a good book that there is a red line to it what points to exactly the same thing, that the teachings are matching and not that the teachings are not matching, like that at one point we say this and the next moment we say that and the next moment we say something else. And there are actually different statements what are not really in sync with each other. And that I think as a reader then creates confusion. So therefore the first point of call again is uh, your clarity within yourself. And then of course, uh, when we, write it, we have to take it to an editor and particularly if we publish it and hopefully the publisher will put it through an editing process and then it has to be designed so then so that it looks nice. And I think maybe I'll jump ahead here, but I think also we have to be very aware that Reiki books is a very small market. You're not going to sell a billion of books. So, you know, if you think you write a book and then you're going to have full classes and you're going to be rich and famous, forget about it. Yeah. So already, if, therefore, therefore also, what is your intention of writing your book? You know, I, I knew this one person and he said, well, I'm going to write it. So I get full classes he actually got it from a really great publisher and then went somewhere and only had one person in the class so it doesn't mean you're going to suddenly have amazing classes first of all your book needs to be unique it needs to be a bit different than other people uh, because there's a million of these books out there you know or like just google reiki books you get so many 
and uh, is not about money making. So again, it's about what is the reason that you write a book is, I think is also very important. I love that. Nicolas, you are the one who's published most books. Are you a millionaire and be able to live from your book? <laughs> oh, gosh, no. I've gotten, so my, my first book came out in 2016, and all that time I've received two royalty checks. So I don't, I don't write to make money. I, I don't think anyone who does this as a career, unless you're, you know, a New York Times bestselling novelist, uh, you don't do this for that kind of payout. You do it because it's in your soul, because you just have to, because you want to. And so, you know, I write because I love teaching. And so, you know, in a face-to-face -face class, the only people who receive that message are right in front of me. But in the written word, there's potential for it to travel to other parts of the world and other markets and other modes of thinking. And it creates dialogue. And I love the platform it offers me, but I'm also very, very realistic. So many books in, I'm working on my ninth and 10th projects right now. So, um, but, you know, as far as like getting that kind of professional edge to the work that you do, I think, um, the the first step is just getting things down on paper and getting it all down and you know like Franz said being clear and concise and consistent with the message that we want and if you are not a trained editor no matter how good you think you are there's this strange phenomenon this this horrible sickness that affects us I think all of us as writers that I call author blindness where you are um, predisposed to seeing what's supposed to be on the page instead of what you actually typed. Um, you, you get the message that you intended for people to take away, maybe not the one that you wrote out. So having other voices, other eyes, other minds and hearts look over your work is imperative. Whether they are lay people or whether they're trained professionals, that feedback is really, really important. And um, thankfully, because I, I chose the traditional publishing route, you know, there's a whole team of people who are working on that. I have a project editor, one or more copy editors, at least two rounds of proofreading typesetters and designers who also catch things in the process. The editor-in-chief and the publisher himself, they, they're all involved in that process, sometimes with the minutia and sometimes you know, more big picture stuff. But um, knowing that if you are not the professional, it's okay to outsource. I am not a typesetter. I am not a proofreader. I can find other people's errors on the page, but I have a really bad case of author blindness where I, I only see what I think is supposed to be on the page in some days until of course the physical book is in my hands and they leap off the page at you. Um, and so being, being able to lean on those resources. And that's one of the ways I think that um, we show up for ourselves effectively. Like we gotta be realistic. I can't do it all. And I could not have done it all for all of these things. For my books about rocks, you know, we want lush photography of mineral specimens so people can identify things. I'm not a photographer. I, I have to outsource that. And, um, you know, I think being realistic about what is in our wheelhouse and what is not in our wheelhouse is part of how we get to that really kind of polished level of, of publication. And knowing that, you know, we're all writing different books with different audiences, with different purposes and different messages and are going to go to different places. The, the level of polish you're aiming for might not be the same as someone else. And that's okay too. Like, I'm not here to judge anyone who takes the self-publishing route. There are a couple of times where I almost wish I had for projects um, and maybe I have future things that I'll do that with, who knows? But uh, finding that right marriage of the right resources uh, whether you're outsourcing um, or having a publisher do all that for you, that's that's up to you to navigate. But 
Yeah, definitely lean on community support. Love that. Absolutely, yeah. Elise, hope. I don't have all that much to add. So I'll just do something that might be unique to me, but I'm not sure. And that is, I'm an academic, right? I, I've been teaching college forever. And we're always terrified, you know, <laughs> terrified of plagiarism. And I have had a lot of teachers, including the three of you. So we have like a fairly intense references cited page, you know, and that's good. But sometimes like if I've taken, you know, Franz, I've taken workshops with you, training with you, it's in me. It's like, yeah, it's here. How do, and this troubled me pretty much writing the entire book. How do you do a references cited to like the deepest level of influence? And is it from an in, well, on Zoom thing or an in-person thing or the time we had breakfast together, right? In that when you were teaching and I couldn't take the class and I came up to some town in Northern Massachusetts, right? We had breakfast in the hotel before your class. Was it that? Was it, I took Shinfenden twice? Was it the time you did this at the VRA or came to the celebration of Reiki conference? Or was it one of your books? I'm like, ooh, I don't know. I just know. Yeah. And that was always really troubling. And so I'm just going to be honest about that, that as an academic, that was, it would like choke me a little bit. <laughs> to be honest, I could feel it being like, am I on the wrong side of plagiarism? So Franz, I guess that's up to you to decide when you see the No, book. I love your book. It's great. But you know what? I'll <laughs> also say I learned one thing. Well, no, I learned many things from you. But one thing I repeat to all my students, be generous with the teachings. Yeah. And so if we're going to be generous with the teachings, then it will just pour out to the right person at the right time without, you know, oh, you know, open parentheses, <laughs> you know, Stina 2015, close parentheses, right? Breakfast, yeah. So I'll just throw that out there. But other than that, I mean, I agree with absolutely everything that Franz and Nicholas said, everything. Mm -hmm. It's funny, like I, when I read your book, I can see the teachings point to the same way, but it was completely different book than what France. So it's, it, I love that you had that worry, but they're so different. All of your three books, right? Is what you're here. And they're all pointing to very, probably the same, because again, when you practice and practice and practice, it will point towards the same idea or concepts. One thing I would love to add lately, for example, when I published my book with editorial, they did a plagiarism uh, check. So those things now are being filtered. So yes, do not copy and paste material without it because if you're going to a publisher, they literally, they say like, are you sure you didn't steal anything? I'm like, no, I wrote it like, that was the only book I wrote like France, right? I'm like, shit, I need to do this in six weeks. Uh, and they did, so nowadays, if you're giving a manuscript to a publishing house, they will do a plagiarism text. So those things will come out. So again, be very mindful when you write, but sometimes it's, as you say, it's subconscious, right? It's not... We're just writing sounds, oh, that sounds so good. And we heard it. And again, sometimes it's okay. But nowadays, uh, editorial houses do that. 
if you're self-publishing, I would love to add a little bit of that. There is nothing wrong, as Nicolas said, with self-publishing. I think just if you're going to do it, don't cut corners. Uh, we I self-published a children's book with a friend. The first time we didn't have money for proofreading. The book is beautiful. It has typos. It lost all, didn't lose the value, but it doesn't come out as a uh, professional. My Ricky book, the guide, um, I'm pretty good at writing and doing a lot of stuff. I have friends who are directors, so that was for free, but I did pay a hefty sum in copywriting. And again, she calls things that were contradictors, uh, contradicting, she mm. called bunch of typos, especially because English is my third language. Mm. So you have to invest and the return sometimes is not, you know, I was able to have the drawings for the cover. You're not always gonna have the return, but again, so check that. Um, I have a friend, she did her own book. She doesn't have the skills I have. She paid three to 4,000 to publish her book. It's a gorgeous book. You know, she hasn't that return. Um, my book took a year and a half to get break even. And I'm making money. And again, $20 a month, $30 a month, you know, now. But probably, I I don't know, I invested $1,500. I'm going to be very honest. I've made like 4000 right? So be very aware of the reality. And then if you self-publish, I think 90% of authors on Amazon don't sell over 100 copies. So don't feel frustrated you're not selling. They sell slow. They sell little. You promote them. But for me, what gave me that self-publishing book is like, okay, this is the way I'm going to teach from now on. Uh, it allowed me to actually deepen my practice. So for me, it was worth every penny I invested in it. Just be aware, as Francis, you're not going to be a millionaire. You may not even recoup some of the money. So yeah. I, and, and that's okay. Like I was very lucky, like, and still, again, I cannot return my book, right? The second book, they gave me even a tenure check and I never saw anything again. But for me, it's the writing that matters, it's the process. So as you all said, have the goal very clear why you're writing the book and also how much you can invest, right? Like don't, if you're self-publishing and you don't have uh, enough money to pay a copywriter, then perhaps hold on, hold on a little bit because they are grammarly, there are a lot of things, but they don't check, they check typos and even then they miss a lot. So hold on, get a copywriter friend, uh, go to Fiverr, find ways, but don't rush. Just wait until the time is right and you can slowly invest on the different parts. I think that would be my advice in terms of, but I'm so happy when I get those 20 bucks, I have to say. Those are my favorite. I think that Natalie, it's with anything we do. Yeah. Don't rush. Don't rush into doing hands-on healing on people. Don't rush into teaching. Don't rush yeah. into anything. You know, we have to really, again, find that way. I mean, and as you say, some books sell more than other books. Uh, I think if I overall look, uh, most of the Reiki books uh, I co-wrote and the uh, ones I've been writing now are doing well. So what is great. Uh, my new book, uh, The Way of Reiki, the Inner Teachings of Mikasui, it's not out yet it comes out next month but so far i think i've sold already about a thousand uh what is great you know as you say a lot of books on amazon don't sell that many but therefore also i think uh when the book comes out don't just sit okay now i've done it you you have to promote it you you know you have to do the work it's the same again i just a little cake shop opened up here the guy is doing really well, but man, he is working hard on selling these cakes. He's always in the shop. He's promoting it on Instagram, on Facebook. He is walking the streets with his bloody cake. Well, you know, he's doing good. So it's the same thing. It's not like, okay, now I've written a book and voila. 
So therefore, you know, is uh, slowly, slowly put your own effort in it, you know, in, in lots of different ways. I love well, that. speak to the, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead, Elise. You, you speak to like the multiple dimensions of like, well, our personal responsibility and accountability yeah. and the also measurable outcomes, but also all the different dimensions of return on investment, so to speak, because we know we can measure that in multiple ways. And that's what, exactly what we've been talking about. We don't have to. Measuring it in royalties is going to be kind of discouraging, especially if you're co-author, nothing personal co-author, right? Because <laughs> you split it, right? <laughs> so um, it's very underwhelming in that regard. So, you know, um, there's many ways to measure return on investment with what we are doing. And I think you spoke to that really beautifully. So I'm just really, really like doing that teacherly reframe of what everyone in the class already said. <laughs> that is lovely. But it is true. If you listen to what you said, that's what's happening here. Yeah. And I think it's also like, is that, and yes, keep on pushing, right? Is what Franz said. Like I still promote my guide when my guide launched. I went by myself to the bookstores with my book, right? Like, hi, do you want my book? And they're like, who are you? I email hundreds of people and I'm, I come as an extroverted. I'm actually really shy. And I went like to every bookstore and they would pay me in cash. And I would get like, and I was so proud every time I placed three, four books, right? And I'm close to a thousand after three, four years. And I'm like, oh my God, I gonna get like, that day I'm celebrating, I'm like 10 copies away. But it took a lot of work, but it was work that it's really, you need to do. Because also it's like, um, you know, I did all this thing, I believe in it and you promote it. I think it's a beautiful way for me it was also going, pushing my boundaries, like pushing my zone of comfort, right? I wasn't comfortable saying I have a voice because usually my voice is lent to advertising or to journalism, but to say, this is my voice. I want to place it. It was really hard. So even the marketing of it for me was a growth process. Nicholas, how is it for you, the marketing and, and the process after the books? Well, you know, um, I got really lucky with the start of my publishing journey because I met a publisher at a trade show, not for the sake of meeting a publisher at a trade show. I was a sales rep for a you know, company in the kind of body, mind, spirit field. And we happen to be exhibiting at the same place. And it just happened to come out organically or maybe intentionally in conversation that I was writing a book. And uh, the rep from Inner Traditions just invited me to send it in. And one of the phrases she said to me that day has stuck with me every day of my life since. Publishers today are looking for tireless self-promoters tireless self-promoters. Yeah. The real work begins when the manuscript is done. Writing is actually the easiest stage of the journey for most of us. Most of us, we're all, you know, we're all different, but the, the work continues. There's work happening behind the scenes the moment you submit that manuscript or the moment you turn it into your, um, you know, self-publishing platform. Um, things are happening in formatting and things are happening in marketing and things are happening in editorial and you just sit there and wait. So what do you do? You have to like till the field. 
you know, you've got the seeds that you've harvested from that round of work, and now you've got to prepare for planting them for a new return on investment. And we do that by sharing the message. We do that by showing up. We do that by being excited about our own work. And if we're not excited about our own work, then we can't expect to sell very many copies. I mean, unless we're very lucky and we have a paid professional who gets very excited on our behalf, that usually costs a heck of a lot of money. So that's not the route I've opted. Um, but, you know, showing up to community events. Doing community building is really important for me as a Reiki practitioner, a Reiki teacher, a Reiki author, because I write for a kind of interlineage approach to Reiki. It's about building bridges. None of our Reiki is better than anyone else's. The only thing that makes us more effective as practitioners is practice, practice, practice. So showing up with that practice for others, having conversations about practice, holding space for others in their own practice, especially when it looks and feels different to my own, is very important for the work that I do with my Reiki book. But as an author, kind of broadly speaking, um, you know, the real work begins when we finish with the manuscript, when we finish with editorial, when we finish with the, you know, page proofs, and then it goes to the printer, then we really, really, really work our butts off. Um, if you work with a, you know, more traditional publisher, they're probably going to assign you a publicist who's going to help you book interviews and book media appearances. But even still, you know, using my publisher as an example, they're just a couple people who work in the publicity department who handle all 1800 titles they have in print. So naturally, um, once, once the next catalog comes out and my book is not in the next catalog, I'm on my own. So it's that tireless self-promotion. And if we do that from the space where we engage with the precepts, we do it just for today. We do it angerlessly when we fail. We do it worrylessly when we're uncertain of the future. We do it with thankfulness each and every opportunity. We do it with diligence and we do it as a compassionate act for self and others. Then we're effective. Effective doesn't always translate to dollars and that's okay, it doesn't have to. Effective for me is showing up for the community. Effective for me is ensuring that we all get a little bit closer by understanding one another's practice better, which was one of the motivations in writing my book. And I yeah, absolutely. Add, I like, think I agree, Nicholas. It's it's really well said. And it's uh, that was uh, one of the first reasons uh, we wrote the Reiki source book in 2003 to bring that together, to see the similarities and differences. But I agree, you have to, when you speak about it, you know, be enthusiastic about it. Show that, that, that you love your book, that you love your writing, that you love the whole process and not just like, yeah, that was nice. Here's my book, thank you. You know, <laughs> then nothing is going to take place because people can feel it. They need to feel. And I think, you know, what I said as well, of those Zen masters, for example, when you open it, you read it, you feel something, you feel something touching you really deeply. If we can interweave that in our books, even fantastic, but we still have to promote it. And um, I think uh, in the next week, I'm doing about eight different interviews about the, the way of Reiki, the inner teachings of Mikasui uh, on lots of different platforms to promote it, you know, and I think is a really important, as you say, Nicholas, as an author to not just sit still after you've written a book and say, well, that's it now, all the dollars are raining in. dollars <laughs> <laughs> are raining. I want to add a point to something Nicholas said, which was 
really struck me, and I know you have this experience, so it needs to be named. And that is, so you talk, Nicholas and, and Franz, about showing up for, you know, the community. But don't forget, and I know we felt this, the community shows up for us. There's a, a beautiful reciprocity here where people start saying, you know, where I live, there's a little bookstore. I think they might be interested. And here's their phone number. And they might even give you the, the name of the proprietor and the, you know, not just here's a name, good luck. You know, I don't even know where it is in Maine, let's say. And so that is delicious, isn't it? Because reciprocity is like a, the principle, one of the principles of the universe. And that is that the community shows up for you and you and you and, and me. Yeah. And that is unexpected, but it, well, it has happened to you, right? Big time. And, and you're part of that equation. And I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> Thank you. I think at the same time, I think what is really, what, what I personally found important, other people might not so find important. What I think is, uh, in Japanese, when you give something to someone, you give it out of a state of emptiness, what means uh, no expectations. And for me, uh, I try as much as possible to write and to then, then I realize, oh, it's a book without any expectations. So because the more we have expectations about the book, then if the expectations are not met, then we get worried and we get angry. So if we know a little bit about the concept of emptiness, then try to really work from that space because then it doesn't matter whatever happens to the book. And it sounds strange, even if it becomes toilet paper, then great, wonderful, mm -hmm. or a good fire source, wonderful, but then, we don't linger with anger and worry and fear. And, and so it's also, I think, a really important element. But ultimately, this is what all we do in life, right? Yeah. No expectations. No, I don't disagree with that. I think that's even kind of underlines my point, which was it was unexpected yeah. to get the outpouring of care from the community. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's, that's the beauty. Yeah. But don't expect it because don't if it doesn't it. happen, then and no one would expect it because yeah. we know. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. No, I think there are a couple of things important. And like also, when you don't have expectations, it's easier to write. When you're putting all these expectations, uh, getting to write is almost impossible. Like, and I'm saying this as a professional writer, like when I have a lot of pressure of work. I need to go and meditate for half an hour, right? And let go of all the craziness. Like you cannot, it's just, it's too much pressure. So, and you have to find that, that balance of no expectation, but still hustle, discipline and drive. Yeah. So that's what I love about this because it's, it's the way we should live life, right? We have to put our whole heart in it without expectation to yeah. be driven without being pushy. So it's really a delicate balance. And, and again, if you are meant to write, this one that help you grow a lot. And there are no words to express how much I'm grateful for this round table. Uh, it's funny because as a writer, since I'm like, I can remember my age, like for me, I'm learning so much from all of you. And I really hope everybody here really enjoys it. Again, I love 
I would love uh, people to read your books and see how different and yet equal they are, right? They all have very different approaches, different writing styles, but there is a very common uh, knowledge of deep respect for the practice, mm. of wanting the community to come together, to practice every day and understand it deeper. So I would love for you to say a goodbye, perhaps um, maybe what is your next book you're working or in your case at least, if this is the only one, perhaps where people can find it. And obviously I will put all the links in the notes. At least we're starting with you because you always go last. So this time you're starting. <laughs> um, Nicholas has been going last. Nicholas, start with you. At least you said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I always have more projects in the works because that's what brings me joy. So um, earlier this year, I got a book on flower essence therapy out, but early next year, uh, I've got another book on crystals coming out. Um, it's called Crystal Basics Pocket Encyclopedia, and it's a guide to 450 rocks, minerals, fossils, gemstones, and more. And I'm hoping that once I finish what I'm currently working on, I'm going to return to the practice of Reiki for another book. And that's all I'll say on that because I have too many options and I'm going to let the, the spark of that book appear to me and tell me which, which book it's going to be. I can't wait to read that one. Well, I'm gelling in here because I, a couple of years ago, it was, so it was before COVID, I spent a year training in mindfulness meditation. And, you know, I teach public health and I'm thinking, I'm not sure it's really thinking, but things are happening on the levels of the being on what is medicine. And that will have multiple some things. I mean, I'm interested in public health and social justice and Buddhist understandings of illness, disease, and well-being, how Reiki fits in and mindfulness fits in. So who the hell knows, basically? Yeah, <laughs> that's what's happening. I love that you still have after your first book, like you keep on going. Some people, the first book decides I'll never do this again, or, oh, I really like this. I'll do another one. Really liked it. <laughs> Perfect. Can't wait to read that one as well. Franz, you also said about the Reiki way. So it's coming in November, yeah, right? The, the way of Reiki, the inner teachings okay. of Mikasui comes out in October. Uh, I'm excited about that. So reading, I got the working, working with that. Uh, I'm, I'm again, I'm a little bit of a different uh, writer. I, I, I describe it in a strange way. You know, when you need to go to the toilet and then you go like, well, I might wait for it for a little bit. I can hold it up. And then suddenly you have to go to the toilet. And then when you do it, then you flush it and it's done. Kind of that's how I work. I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, next year or in two years time, I'm planning on this. Uh, it needs to be almost ripe. And then this is why then I lock myself in a room and write for 12 hours a day or maybe more and have kind of finished in a very short period of time. Mm. So that's my way of writing. So I don't, uh, I just want to make a painting. No, <laughs> I actually, actually in the back of my mind, there is something about uh, making a painting. Uh, so that, that might be bubbling up, who knows? I don't know. I'm, I'm very much uh, a person who, try to live in the moment and not try to plan that much. I'm not so good with planning uh, for future things. So who, know, who knows what happened? I don't really know. Um, we, we, we wait and see. 
But at the moment, if I would do a planning, uh, yeah, the, uh, the way of Reikadena teachings of Mikasui, uh, uh, just promoting that and working with that and just traveling around the world and teaching, really. I'll be in the US soon and um, I do some plans for next year. So teaching in Portugal, England, the US, uh, Holland, France, Germany, Italy, maybe Australia, New Zealand. So yes, those kind of things. <laughs> I'm totally your opposite. I'm writing on this third book and I already know what I want to do for the fourth and the fifth, which will change, but I have like old series in my head. Like, but the good thing is I don't get attached to these books. Like, yeah. but like I'm doing this one, but I'm already like, oh, I can do this one next. So I, and I may do it or not, but I already have like a series, but I was like that since I was eight years old and I wanted to be, it's funny, my first little book when I was eight was an illustrated book. Oh, nice. I never imagined I would end up doing illustrated books, right? Because then that went away for years. So who knows how many, but I will put a link uh, on all your pages, uh, probably both your personal and your Amazon pages. Again, I really encourage everyone to check your books, three different books, three beautiful, well, three groups of different books beautiful and thank you so 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 much for being here and sharing all your amazing wisdom uh nicolas big heart to you i know you reorganized a bunch of stuff so i really really from all my heart thank you uh france you kept the date i know your busy schedule and elise you don't even know me and i just like went after you and you say yes so thank you so much saying yes thank you all for saying yes yeah exciting thank you totally thank, thank you, you. Thank 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 you.